and welcome to our semester finale and part two of the days that music died right here on 89.5 WJMU The Quad. I'm your host, Caleb. We are continuing our David Bowie feature for the days that music died with our part two and our semester finale. It's been this big extravaganza, uh, just focusing and really trying to pinpoint all the, the incredible things that happened throughout David Bowie's life um, and just everything that occurred as well. Because there definitely were... Um, some things that most people might might not have ever really known about David Bowie um, that kind of occurred as well. He was definitely involved in a lot of controversies, um, wasn't always uh, doing the right thing. It, no one really can, but um, real, really just interesting to be able to tackle what David Bowie did who he was and just learning everything about David Bowie and his music, really. So we've got a jam-packed show up ahead, folks. I, I hope you are ready to bounce around and over there and to the other side and all that uh, throughout <laughs> throughout today's show of the days that music died. But let's go ahead and start getting into things a uh, little bit different format with our part two series. Uh, the past few weeks, I feel like we've been doing some different formats, but still, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And so uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook at the days that music died. And you can check out our Twitter page that's kind of dormant at the moment. Um, I'm working on getting to know Twitter a little bit better so that way hopefully um, we can get that better by next semester. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, if that's a New Year's wish, New Year's resolution, then that's mine. Um, <laughs> don't forget to check out our podcast as well at The Days That Music Died on Spotify, Google Podcasts, the Anchor Podcast app, and all of your lesser-known podcast apps. And once again, this is our semester finale uh, very, very excited to end things here, and we'll catch you next year, next semester, uh, spring 2021. Very excited to be back um, and to kind of continue with the days that music died. I'm really going to try and find a good format. I think we've got our good format for the show um, that's kind of set in stone, and I think we're going to just continue to set this format in stone, maybe be able to add some things or just make things not, not as complex at times. I'm definitely going to try to get it to where it's not as much talking as fast, but really just being able to, to deliver to all of you listeners like, hey, this is what's going on. Hopefully creating a better podcast format as well for the show. And stay tuned for some possible updates throughout the winter. Definitely going to possibly do a, a podcast here or there for the show. Um, not every week, maybe a bi-weekly thing. We'll just have to see. Um, kind of depends on how much time I want to be available. Um, <laughs> but today's focus, once again, is part two of David Bowie Continued. Throughout the years 1980 to 1988, we have this new romantic and pop era of David Bowie as we go ahead and get into things right here on 89.5 for the days that music died. Scary Monsters and Super Creeps, released in 1980, produced the number one hit Ashes to Ashes, featuring the textural work of guitar synthesist Chuck Hammer and revisiting the, the character of Major Tom from Space Oddity. The song gave international exposure to the underground New Romantic movement when Bowie visited the London club Blitz, the main New Romantic hangout at the time, to recruit several of the regulars, including Steve Strange of the band Visage, to act in the accompanying video, renowned as one of the most innovative of all time. While Scary Monsters used principles established by the Berlin albums, it was considered by critics to be far more direct, musically 
and lyrically. The album's hard rock edge included conspicuous guitar contributions from Robert Fripp, Chuck Hammer, and Pete Townshend. As Ashes to Ashes hit number one in the UK charts, Bowie opened a three-month run on Broadway on September 24th, starring as John Merrick in The Elephant Man. Bowie then paired with Queen in 81 for a one-off single release titled Under Pressure, which we, which we played in last week's show. The duet was a hit, becoming Bowie's third UK number one single. Bowie reached his peak of popularity and commercial su- success in 1983 with Let's Dance and co-produced by uh, Chicks N- Nile Rodgers. The album went platinum in both the UK and the US, and its three singles became top 20 hits in both countries, where its title track reached number one, Modern Love and China, China Girl each made number two in the UK. UK as well. Bowie had, by 1983, Bowie had actually emerged as one of the most important video artists of the day. Let's Dance, Let's Dance was followed by the Serious Moonlight Tour, during which Bowie was accompanied by guitarist Earl Slick and backing vocalist Frank and George Sims. The world tour lasted six months and was extremely extremely popular. At the 1984 MTV Video Music Awards, Bowie actually received two awards, including the inaugural Video Vanguard Award. Tonight, released in 1984, another dance-oriented album found Bowie collaborating with Tina Turner and once again Iggy Pop. It included a number of cover songs, among them the 1966 Beach Boys hit God Only Knows. The album bore the transatlantic top 10 hit Blue Jean, um, itself the inspiration for a short film that won Bowie a Grammy Award for Best Short, Form, Best short Film Music Video, uh, Jazzin' for Blue Jean. Bowie performed at Wembley Stadium in 1985 for the Live Aid concert, a multi-venue benefit concert for Ethiopian Femine Relief. Bowie's duet with Mick Jagger dancing in the street quickly went to number one upon release. He appeared as Jareth, the Goblin King, in the 1986 Jim Henson film Labyrinth, uh, Labyrinth, <laughs> for which he worked with composer Trevor Jones and wrote five original songs. His final solo album of the decade was 1987's Never Let Me Down, where he ditched the light sound of his previous two albums, instead offering harder rock with an industrial-slash-techno-dance edge. Picking at number six in the UK, the album yielded the hits Day In, Day Out, Time Will Crawl, and Never Let Me Down. Bowie later described as his nadir, calling it an awful album overall. Supporting Never Let Me Down and preceded by nine promotional press shows, the 86 concert Glass Spider Tour commenced on May 30th. Bowie's backing band included Peter Frampton on lead guitar. Critics maligned the, the tour's overproduced, saying it pandered to the current stadium rock trends and its special effects and dancing. Now, throughout 89 to 91, we have this kind of tin machine era. And so Bowie shelved his solo career in 1989, retreating to the relative um, anonymity of band membership for the first time since the early 70s. And a hard-rocking quartet uh, called the Tin Machine came into being after Bowie began to work experimentally with guitarist Reeves Gabriels. The lineup was completed by Tony and Hunt Sales, whom Bowie had known since the late 1970s for their contribution on bass and drums, respectively, to Iggy Pop's 1977 album, Lust for Life. Although he intended Tin Machine to operate as a democracy, Bowie actually dominated both in songwriting and in decision-making. The, uh, the band's album debut, Tin Machine, released in 1989, was initially popular, though its politicized lyrics did not find universal approval. 
Bowie described one song as a simplistic, naive, radical laying it down about the emergence of neo-Nazis. In the view of biographer Christopher Stanford, it took, it took nerve to denounce drugs, fascism, and TV in terms that reached the literary level of a comic book. EI, EMI complained of lyrics that preach as well as repetitive tunes and minimalist or no production at all. The album nevertheless reached number three and went gold in the UK despite its Neg negative reviews. Tin Machine's first world tour was a commercial success, however, um, but there was growing reluctance among fans and critics alike to accept Bowie's presentation as merely a band member. A series of Tin Machine singles failed to chart, and Bowie, after a disagreement with EMI, left the label. Tin Machine began work on a second album, but Bowie put the venture on hold and made a return to solo work. Performing his early hits during the seven-month Sound Plus Vision tour, he found commercial success and acclaim once again. In October 1990, a decade after his divorce from Angie, Bowie and Somali-born supermodel Aman were introduced by a mutual friend. Bowie recalled, I was naming the children the night we met. It was absolutely immediate. And they married in 1992. Tin Machine resumed work the same month, but their audience and critics, ultimately left disappointed by the first album, showed little interest in a second. Tin Machine 2's arrival was marked by a widely publicized and ill-timed conflict over the cover art. After, produ after production had begun, the new record label Victory deemed the depiction of four ancient nude Kuroi, Kuroi statues judged by Bowie to be in exquisite taste and to be a show of wrong obscene images, requiring airbrushing and patching to render the figures sexless. Tin Machine toured again, but after the live album Tin Machine Live, Oi Vey Baby, failed commercially, the band drifted apart, and Bowie ultimately, though he continued to collaborate with Gabriels, resumed his solo career. And in the next break, we have this electronic period and really kind of touching on the uh, more of the solo career and really the rest of Bowie's kind of career into more closer to modern day in the next break. But first, let's go ahead and get into the music. We've got lots to talk about, lots to jam to for David Bowie, part two right here on the Days That Music Died on 89.5 WJMU, the quad. But let's go ahead and kick things off with Let's Dance. And I hope you all just dance, dance, dance. And that was Life on Mars by David Bowie. Right before that, we had Lazarus off of his last record that he released in 2016, just, I believe, two days before his passing. Truly, truly uh, just so so unfortunate and tragic. And, and we'll get to his tragic day later on in the show and, and just how tragic it was with really no one knowing. Um, but that was off his last record, Black Star Lazarus. What a good tune. I think it's such an underrated tune, and it's it's just so beautiful. And I love the little bluebird thing. It's, it's just great. And Life on Mars, classic, classic tune off of the album Hunky Dory, a really good one. And that was a 2015 remaster right there as well. And, of course, we kicked off with a bop, Let's Dance, one of my personal favorite David Bowie songs. I think that's one you can't go wrong with. Some great stuff there. But let's go ahead and get back into our Today's Focus Part 2 for the days that music died, featured artist David Bowie, right here on 89.5 WJMU, The Quad. So throughout the years 1992 to 1998, we have this electronic period that David Bowie uh, is kind of into. And so on April 20th, 1992, Bowie actually appears at the Freddie Mercury tribute concert following the Queen singer's death the previous year. As well as performing Heroes and All the Young Dudes, he was joined on Under Pressure by Annie Lennox, who, who took Mercury's vocal part. During his appearance, Bowie actually knelt and recited the Lord's Prayer 
um, at Wembley Stadium. Four days later, Bowie and Amon were married in Switzerland, intending to move to Los Angeles. They flew in search uh, for a suitable property, but found themselves confined to their hotel. <laughs> found themselves confined to their hotel under curfew. Wow. In the 1992 Los Angeles riots began the day they arrived. They settled in New York instead. In 1993, Bowie released his first solo offering since his Ten Machine departure, the soul, jazz, and hip-hop influenced black tie, white noise, making prominent use of electronic instruments. The album, which reunited Bowie with Let's Dance producer Niall Rogers, confirmed Bowie's return to popularity, hitting the number one spot in the UK charts and spawning three top 40s hits, including the top 10 single Jump They Say. Bowie explored new directions on the Buddha of Suburbia in 1993, ostensibly a soundtrack album of his music composed for the BBC television, television adaptation of uh, Hanif Qureshi's novel. Only the title track had been used in the television adaptation, although some of his names for it were also present on the album. It contained some of the new elements introduced in Black Tie White Noise and also signaled a move towards alternative rock. The album was a critical success, but received a low-key release and only made number 87 in the UK. Reuniting Bowie with Inno, the quasi-industrial outside release in 1995, was originally conceived as the first volume in a non-linear narrative of art and murder featuring characters from a story wow featuring characters from a short story written by Bowie himself the album achieved UK and US chart success and yielded three top 40 UK singles in a move that provoked mixed reaction from both fans and critics Bowie actually chose Nine Inch Nails as his tour partner for the outside tour visiting cities in Europe and North America between September 1995 to February 1996 the tour saw the return of Gabriel's as Bowie's guitarist Bowie was ultimately inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on January 17, 1996, incorporating experiments in British British jungle and drum and bass. Earthling, released in 1997, was a critical and commercial success in the UK and US. Two singles from the album Little Wonder and Dead Men Walking became UK top 40 hits. Bowie's song I'm Afraid of Americans from the Paul Verhaven film Showgirls was actually re-recorded for the album and remixed by Trent Reznor for a single release. Bowie received his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame on February 12, 1997, and the Earthling tour took took, uh, place in Europe and North America between June and November 1997. The Earthling tour... um, Bowie returned with Visconti in 1998 to record Safe in This Sky Life for the Rugrats movie, and although the track was edited out of the final cut, it was later re-recorded and released as Safe on the B-side of Bowie's 2002 single Everyone Says Hi. Throughout 1999 to 2012, a little closer to modern day, we have this neoclassicist era for David Bowie. And so with Reeves, Gabriels created the soundtrack for Omicron, The Nomad Soul, a 1999 computer game in which he and Amon also voiced characters based on their likenesses. On June 25th, 2000, Bowie made his second appearance at the Glastonbury Festival in England, playing 30 years after his first. The performance was actually released as a posthumous live album in November 2018, and on June 27th, Bowie performed a concert at BBC Radio Theatre in London, which was released in the compilation album Bowie or the Beeb, which also featured BBC recording sessions from 68 to 1972. Bowie and Amon's daughter was born on August 15th. His interest in Buddhism led him to support the Tibetan cause by performing at the February 2001 and February 2003 concerts to support Tibet House U.S. at Carnegie Hall in New York. 
In October 2001, Bowie opened the concert for New York City, a charity event to benefit the victims of the 9-11 attacks. 2002 actually saw the release of Heathen, and during the second half of the year, the Heathen tour taking place in Europe and North America, the tour opened at London's annual Meltdown, Meltdown Festival, for which Bowie was that year appointed artistic director. Reality released in 2003 followed, and its accompanied world, world tour, the, a reality tour with an estimated attendance of 722,000, grossed more than any other in 2004. On June 13th, Bowie actually headlined the last night of the Isle of Wight Fest um, 2004 in what would prove to be his last live show in the UK. On June 25th, he suffered chest pain while performing at the Hurricane Festival in Germany and originally thought to be a pinched nerve in his shoulder. The pain was later diagnosed as an acutely blocked coronary artery. Requiring an emergency angioplasty in Hamburg and the remaining 14 dates of the tour were ultimately cancelled. In the years following his recuperation from the heart attack, Bowie actually reduced his musical output, making only one-off appearances on stage and in the studio. He sang in a duet of his 1971 song Changes with Butterfly Butcher for the 2004 animated film Shrek 2, and during a relatively quiet 2005, he recorded the vocals for the song She Can Do That, co-written with Brian Transile for the film Stealth. He returned to the stage on September 8, 2005, appearing with Arcade Fire for the U.S. nationally televised event uh, Fashion Rocks and performed with the Canadian band for the second time a week later during the CMJ Music Marathon. Bowie was awarded the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award on February 8, 2006. In April, he announced, I'm taking a year off, no touring, no albums. He made a surprise guest appearance at David Gilmore's at David Gilmore's May 29th concert at the Royal Albert Hall in London, and the event was recorded, and a selection of songs in which he had contributed joint vocals were subsequently released. He performed again in November alongside Alicia Keys at the Black Ball, a benefit event for Keep a Child Alive at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York. The performance marked the last time Bowie performed his music on stage. Bowie was actually chosen to curate the 2007 Highline Festival, selecting musicians and artists for the Manhattan event, including electronic pop duo Air, surrealist photographer Claude Cahoon, and English comedian Ricky Gervais. Bowie performed on Scarlett Johansson's 2008 album of Tom Waits covers Anywhere I Lay My Head, and in June 2008, a live album was released of a Ziggy Stardust-era concert from 1972. On the 40th anniversary of the July 1969 moon landing and Bowie's accompanying commercial breakthrough with Space Oddity, uh, EMI released the individual tracks from the original 8-track studio recording of the song and in a 2009 contest inviting members of the public to create a remix. Throughout his final years of 2013 to 2016, on January 8, 2013, his 66th birthday, his website announced a new album to be titled The Next Day. It's scheduled for release March 8th for Australia, March 12th for the U.S., and March 11th for the rest of the world. Bowie's first studio album in a decade, The Next Day, contains 14 songs plus three bonus tracks. His website acknowledged the length of his hiatus, and record producer Tony Visconti said 29 tracks were recorded for the album originally, some of which could appear on Bowie's next record, which he might start work on later in 2013. The, the announcement was actually accompanied by the immediate release of a single, Where Are We Now?, written and recorded by Bowie in New York and produced by longtime collaborator Visconti.
The single topped the UK iTunes charts within hours of its release, debuted in the UK singles charts at number 6, and is first single to enter the top 10 for two decades since Jump They Say in 93. According to the Times, Black Star may be the oddest work yet from Bowie, released on uh, June 7th, December of 2015. Bowie's musical Lazarus debuted in New York. His last public appearance was at opening night of the production. Black Star was released on January 18th. It's January 8th, 2016, Bowie's 69th birthday, and was met with critical acclaim. Um, following his death on January 10th, producer Tony Visconti revealed that Bowie had planned the album to be a swan song and a parting gift for his fans before his death. Several reporters and critics subsequently noted that most of the lyrics on the album seemed to actually revolve around his impeding death, and with CNN noting that the album reveals a man who appears to be grappling with his own mortality. And, and simply the song Lazarus, as you heard the big single from that uh, album and also inspiring the Broadway musical, touches that as well. That little bluebird bit, as I mentioned, is beautiful, but it also is, is talking about this impending and impeding death that Bowie's about um, to be introduced to. And Visconti later said that Bowie had been placing a post, kind of planning a post-Black Star album, and had written and recorded demo versions of five songs in his final weeks, suggesting that Bowie actually believed he had a few months left rather than just weeks or days. The day following his death, online uh, viewing of Bowie's music skyrocketed, breaking the record for Vivo's most viewed artist in a single day. On January 15th, Blackstar actually debuted at number one on the UK albums chart. 19 of his albums were in the UK top 100 albums charts, and 13 singles were in the UK top 100 singles charts. Blackstar also debuted at number one on album charts around the world, including Australia, France, Germany, Italy, New Zealand, and the US Billboard 200. Truly, truly amazing, crazy, just everything going on throughout this time. Blackstar was his kind of his swan song, as Visconti hinted at. Um, and he was actually expecting to maybe live a few more months longer rather than uh, passing when he did on, on January 10th. Um, but we will get to that on his tragic day, January, t January 10th, 2016, in the next break. But first, let's go ahead and get back into the music. We're going to kick things off with some Tonight, a classic tune of David Bowie. Some young Americans here in here as well. But first, here's Tonight by David Bowie, and I hope you all enjoy. And that was the classic Young Americans by David Bowie right here for the days that music died on 89.5 WJMU, the quad. I'm your host, Caleb. Right before that, we had Ziggy Stardust, the live rendition in Santa Monica in 1972. And of course, we kicked things off with the 2018 remaster tonight. Um, again, continuing our two-part series for our semester finale. For the days that music died with David Bowie, our tragic day we have finally has finally approached us. Here it is on January 10th, 2016, two days after his 69th birthday and the release of the album Black Star, Bowie died from liver cancer in his New York City apartment. Um, so at the time, um, Bowie purposely released Black Star on his birthday into on January 8th. And then he, again, was was his swan song, as Visconti, his longtime collaborator and producer, um, noted in the last break, that it was kind of his swan song, his, his last gift to his fans, to critics, to everyone, and especially himself. And uh, Bowie, again, died from liver cancer in a New York City apartment. He had been diagnosed 18 months earlier, but had not made 
the news of his illness public. And this is what was tough at the time because um, no one saw it coming. And to hear that he had liver cancer and he had had it for over a year at the time and he purposely recorded Black Star for a reason and he was working on other music for a reason um, shows just how tragic it was and, and just how just how sad it was. But at the same time, you, you have to respect someone for not wanting to say that publicly. Um, but at the same time, I, I think he kind of wanted to do that for, for, for himself, but definitely for his fans, and to just say, "Hey, I'm I'm still here, still making music, and uh, I'll never leave you." He he not only gave us that swan song with uh, Black Star, but he also gave us an album that will forever cherish because it has uh, just an even deeper meaning than any of the other records he's ever given us. And so the Belgian theater director, Ivo van Hove, actually, who had worked with the singer on his off-Broadway musical Lazarus, explained that Bowie was unable to attend rehearsals due to the progression of the disease. He even noted that Bowie had kept working during the illness. And again, you know, as many artists we've covered on the show, when, when they have an illness such as cancer, they continue to do things. They continue to make music. They continue to work. And it shows that that's what they're dedicated to. It shows that they're, nothing's going to stop them. They, they truly love what they do. And so Bowie's producer, Tony Visconti, actually writes, He always did what he wanted to do. And he wanted to do it his way. And he wanted to do it the best way. His death was no different from his life, a work of art. He made Black Star for us, his parting gift. I knew for a year that this was the way it would be. I wasn't, however, prepared for it. He was an extraordinary man, full of love and life. He will always be with us. For now, it is appropriate to cry. And following Bowie's death, fans gathered at an impromptu sh impromptu street shrines. That's a tongue twister. Street shrines and at the mural of Bowie in his birthplace of Brixton, South London, which shows him in his Aladdin scene character. Fans laid flowers and sang his songs. After the news of his death, sales of his albums and singles soared, and Bowie had insisted that he did not want a funeral, and according to his death certificate, he was cremated in New Jersey on January 12th, as he wished in his will. His ashes were scattered in a Buddhist ceremony in Bali, Indonesia. And those are, we, we spark the debate of one question. What would you ask him? And so I kind of have two things. Um, how did you do it all, really, I think is one, one great question, just everything. Um, and then with that question, creating a second follow-up question to kind of be a little bit more focused. And that is, w when beginning, especially in your musical career, how did Ziggy come to mind ultimately? How, how was the name, you know? Ziggy Stardust and, and everything like that. How did that fully come into um, into shape? And, and really, as well, kind of asking, how did it feel to create this ultra persona, this other persona? What what did it feel for you, David Bowie, to be someone else and to to obviously see that this made you happy? This is who you were, and, and this showed showed everyone, any anybody who wanted to get into music or really anything, that they could be anything and anybody, any anyone that they wanted to be, anything that they wanted to do, they could do it. Because David Bowie and so many other artists throughout this time were showing us and showing people that they could do it because they did it. And it, it, it showed that Bo Bowie's death was really, really um, hard for a lot of people, very tragic at that, especially the way he passed away. 
um, truly legendary is what he was and still is to this day. David Bowie, just just amazing. So those two questions, how did you do it all, really? How did you do it from so many things at once, from the curating music festivals and art shows to making records constantly to helping with film scores and acting? How did you do it? And then when beginning, how did everything come to mind? I mean, I mean, just wow, really wow. Everything that he was able to do, how did it come to fruition? How did it happen, David Bowie? That's what I want to know. Well, we've got two more tunes for you, but we're going to go ahead and sign off here and let and we'll go ahead and play those two tunes. But don't forget to like us on Facebook at the Days That Music Died. Don't forget to follow our Twitter page as well. And I promise you, New Year's resolution, we're going to get that Twitter page up and running and a lot better than it is right now. Um, <laughs> and also our podcast, check out our podcast, The Days That Music Died on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more of your podcast apps. Stay tuned for updates over the winter break. This is our semester finale two-parter series for David Bowie. Um, we are going to most likely kick off with a two-part series come spring. 2021 as well we're going to be tackling some big artists some artists that really had some influential careers and there's no way that we're going to be able to cover it all in just one hour so we're going to need two instead um, so stay tuned for updates and possible podcasts throughout the winter as well definitely figuring out different different stuff that we could do there other words in other words and other ways uh, we'll catch you next semester right here on 89.5 w jamie the quad for the days that music died every single thursday from 3 to 4 p.m i'm your host caleb thank you all as always for tuning in it's such an honor it's it's such a great time um we will catch you next week here's modern love by david bowie and then later on starman and i hope you all enjoy